Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Happy Tuesday. Happy Pod Day. Happy Podcast Day. It feels crazy that it's the end of April right now. Like, mm-hmm. how is it? How are we already four months, fully four full months into 2022? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Don't know how we got here. Yeah, What's like if part? I think about six months ago, I'm like, oh, that was August. Nope. No, nope. no. Six months ago was November rainy. Yep. <laughs> that's why you, that's why that's, you're thinking nope. That's where I am at mentally. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Corinne? Um, doing great. I am feeling excited about the summer. I'm feeling ready for to do some more like freelance stuff. I'm excited to like, yeah, I'm just excited for life. That's great. Yeah. Things are I'm feeling very like um, content in my like where I'm at right now. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's like where I've been like applying to some things and things have been like rolling. Like if you were to ask me this time last year, I'd be like, well, I'm applying for things and nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm like, things feel very different right now. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, people are like out and about. People are excited to do work. People are excited to like run things, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. That's yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, that being said, that it, the fact that it's basically May is that almost season five is coming to an end. These are true things, which means only like five or six more episodes left. Exactly. So, um, this is the time of year where we ask for suggestions for next year, for next season. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, what so haven't if, we covered? What haven't we covered after six seasons? What do you need? What do you want? Um, obviously a little bit of a change in plans this season than we thought because of the in and outs of the pandemic. Um, but next season let's do it. I think we're ready for some group interviews. Um, another question is, do you, are you interested in getting one or two episodes during the summer? Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Interesting idea. Um, just like once a month, one episode drops just to keep you um keep you all listening are you interested in getting that content from us let us know yeah that's cool I was also really been thinking about a lot of like how we can take the podcast or the show live or like Mm -hmm. in events like how can we like be more community um oriented or community-based so if that's also something you want you're like hey I did this or I saw this cool thing it'd be cool to like have like fun hosts like us or like I'm doing an event and I would like someone to host it yes yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. cool so let us know hit us up um at galpalprods gmail.com (laughs) gmail.com um I don't know if you guys if listeners will remember this unless they're like dancers but I think a few months ago we were talking about this dance competition yeah called break the floor and that it was like there was judges or there was people within the organization being accused of sexual misconduct. Travis Wall being one of them. Yeah. And there's like been this like update about it. The founder and the CEO, Jill Storming, in 2020 admitted to having inappropriate relationships as a dancer with instruct teachers or higher ups mm-hmm. and vice versa. He admitted that openly in a training. Yeah. So there's more coming out and the suit is getting crazier. 
Yeah, I mean, we know this about uh, this industry. There yeah. is constantly grooming and assaults happening with underage people all over the place. Yeah. Um, is it ever going to stop? Love to see these people come to fruition. We talked about the Royal Winnipeg Ballet one finally. Yeah. That suit being settled. Um, would love to see the same thing happen for Break the Floor. And hopefully all of these survivors, um, hopefully all of the survivors from the Break the Floor who are coming forward now are able to yeah. go to court and tell their story. Yeah, this update was from the, the Toronto Star. And it specifically talks about a lot um, that all of the sources that spoke up, there was the condition of amenity because of fear of retaliation and damage to their own careers. Mm-hmm. in the professional dance community and which is I get like, that yeah it's, it's like also what we what you hear about like constant like just like allegation like people coming out about sexual assault in general like or mm-hmm. people coming out of like nobody wants to do to say the thing that might just cause themselves more harm than good uh-huh and like that's up to everybody's own experiences right right um exactly. And then another interesting point in this article is that Grace French, who's the founder of the Army of Survivors, after surviving abuse, uh, surviving abuse by the sports physician Larry Nasser, said generally there's still not enough being done to pre- prevent abuse in organizations, and we urge the dance community to step up and take action. Yeah. So I think that's like that's just like a call to action for people that run dance companies, the people that like have the stake and the power and the money to actually do something and hire, you know, to hire people that are good at their job, but also care about the industry yeah. to make those choices. And I think that like is wild about such small communities as like dance communities is like, we know who the shitty people are. Yeah. Like we've talked about this before when people have told us shitty things about people, everybody knows, but that person is still fucking hired. There's you know, always like, whispers before it like hits the mainstream. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, everybody knew like Harvey Weinstein was a fucking piece of shit before anybody said anything, but nobody did anything. You know, it's like that kind of bullshit. So the people that have the money and the power to do the hiring and make the choices need to step up and do something. And I think like we talked about this specifically in a couple episodes, I think last season is like, people need to speak up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course. This week we have wonderful guest, Susanna Fournier. Yeah. So um, if you don't know who Susanna Fournier is, we highly recommend that you look up the trilogy. Yep. This like wonderful grouping of three, I want to use the word fantasy because that's, I think the word that she described in the interview, fantasy plays and that she wrote and produced. And I really loved the open and honest conversation we had about money and grants. Yeah, totally. Top of this episode. Exactly. Yeah. So let's get going. Here we go. Susanna, I want to like go right into the empire because I'm so intrigued <laughs> by a, I have, I have a thousand grant questions for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Love oh. this. Yeah. I like immediately, like, can we, can you confirm how much money you got for it exactly? Okay. So the original grant from the Canada Arts Council was part of their new chapter program. Right. So an individual could ask for up to $150,000. Yes. Whereas an organization, which could also just be an individual who's like, I'm called blah, blah theater. Yeah. But, right. but they're like actually registered non-for-profit mm-hmm. could yep. ask for half a mil. Wow. 
Is I didn't. Your, I didn't have that option. Is not registered. As no, a no. Okay. That's just like another name for me. <laughs> well, that's that's you what Galpals for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like I'm a sole proprietor. This yeah. is like not really you. You know. Yeah. Um. So I could only ask for one fifty. Right. Um. Because I had just gotten a project grant mm -hmm. of fifteen thousand mm -hmm. to produce one of the plays. Right. They decided that like. They weren't. They're were like, you already got fifteen thousand, right. so they gave me one hundred eight thousand, which is still the biggest grant I'd ever received. Right. But my budget was more like half a mil. Yes. Wow. So you know the kind of saying like just enough rope to hang yourself with. Yeah. It sort of felt like, well, I have to do it, and I right. like I don't know how. Right. So because how do you do it with less money than what you actually need? Yeah. But also you have more money than you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it would, it would have been great if I was doing like one play. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You'd be like, sweet. Like I'm good. So it, it just became this, uh, like suddenly you're like, I think I'll climb, like I'll climb to Everest base camp today. Having never like yeah. walked before. <laughs> so you got the, the 15 and the 108. Yeah. And then later, did you ever get more money? Like when you did Luminato and stuff? Yeah. So basically like it, it just turned into like, okay, you have to become a theater company overnight. Right. And I went to Generator. I got into their artistic producer training program, cool. which was like a lifesaver because I was just like showed up like a frazzled person in Christina Lemieux's office. And yeah. was like, what is happening? What even is a producer? Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I love um, her. yeah. And she just kind of sat me down and was like, you are really stressed out. And, um, like, first of all, producing can be whatever you want it, want it to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, if you, there's parts of it you don't like, you can hire someone to do those parts. Totally. Mm -hmm. So um, I also, like, blessfully teamed up with Alison Wong, who mm -hmm. is an amazing artist, a genius producer, director. She's worked in opera. And she was just, like, a similarly like-minded, potentially crazy enough person to be, like, meet me for coffee. And I'm there, like, vibrating with this, like, total nervousness about this project I have no mm -hmm. idea how to do and she had done like many seasons with B Current mm -hmm. and had done general management roles mm -hmm. and but basically she just read the plays and was like I love these we should do them yeah and like I don't know what I did in a past life to like deserve <laughs> like Alison Wong just being like yeah like I believe in these like we'll figure it out and um Famous last words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it really was. We just, like, every step of the process was, okay, how do we raise the money for this part? Mm -hmm. How do we stay true to our creative impulses? Like, how do we define this and, and bring this these shows and this story and this world out into mm -hmm. our audience without doing it the way we think we have to? Mm -hmm. right. Because nothing about the project, I mean, it was three plays. We were marketing it more like, like a Star Wars trilogy. Like right. I wanted to really lean into like Lord of the Rings or like the Matrix, like yeah. These, yeah. these genre cult classics right. that, and, and I was like, that's where the fans are. Yeah. <laughs> like diehard fans yeah. for life. Yeah. Yes. And those are, and that's the kind of, that's the way we wanted to sell it was like mm -hmm. enter this world, mm -hmm. not like come see three plays. You know, they're kind of about how people are pretty bad to each other <laughs> And like, there are like bad things. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted it to feel exciting and like you're part of an experience that was mm -hmm. uh, gonna last over time. So every, pretty, every, pretty much every aspect of the project became a way to keep expressing ourselves. Like even just like, how do we make marketing fun? Yeah. 
Like I was like, I don't want our Instagram to just be pictures of rehearsal. It just ends up being a lot of messy tables with water bottles. Like, it's like we're rehearsing and like coffee cups. Yeah, just like from Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's like slightly disheveled, and it's just like people holding pieces of paper, looking mm -hmm. a bit intense. And I'm like, every play looks the same when you rehearse right. it. Yes. Like it's just like people. Um, so we really wanted to keep selling like enter the empire like this is the world like mm -hmm. this is um so we worked with amazing artists who were kind of working on our instagram and we created a brand for it and um it was a creatively i'm still like i can't believe that happened right and um playwrights canada press just published the complete anthology so yeah. all three plays a kind of making of section in the back mm. um really beautiful production photography and our pop-up museum. But even that process, I was like, well, you know, anyone who's never read a play reads a play script and they're like, what, what does beat mean? Like what, like, you totally. know, like this, this secret theater lingo yeah. that other people, they're also, like, I think people expect it to read it similar to like a book Yeah. and they read it and they're like, I have no idea what's going on because yeah. all I see is dialogue Yeah. and there's, and it's really hard for people to, I find, because I don't connect with when I read screenplays. I, I really, it's terrible. I'm a playwright only, and I hate reading plays. The yeah. only thing that we would ever be taught would have been like reading Macbeth or like some yeah. sort of Shakespeare yeah. yes. in English class in grade 10 or 12, yeah. right? Yeah. And my, like my, my bestie, my main collaborator, Ted Witzel, he, he talks a lot about like our introduction to theater in North America is like something you will be tested on. Yes. Oh, yeah. interesting. And so yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. we set up our audiences from a very young age to be stressed yeah. about theater. Oh God, I got to go see this production of Shakespeare and then I have to write school about it or I have yes. to, it, it turns into I was like tested about it. literary exercise. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and critically thinking about it when you should be able to just enjoy theater. Yeah. And like enjoy the emotions yeah. and the experience that comes along with it. I think we even still in Canada, like we're so... <laughs> desperate to kind of be like the arts matter they're educational and it's like wow is that our baseline like can't they totally just be, yeah. can't it be like they're mysterious they're entertaining they yeah. make me feel and think about things maybe yeah. they're oh could they be sexy like mm -hmm. could you take a date to the theater and yeah. like not <laughs> like have a good date <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't know I don't like I'm really into this person I really want to have like a fun exciting night like cool, I'm going to go to this play and hopefully not want to like end it all after, you know. I, I was about to say, I've never had a successful date to the theater. No, really? <laughs> For Just think about who I was dating when we were going to the theater pre-pandemic. Yeah. Well, you know, oh, it could, yeah. be, it could, be, it could be a lot of areas there. Yes. Well, that's yeah. why there's like also like this idea in Canada's almost like old school in the sense where like all of their shows are like, you go to the theater and conservative. Like, yeah, it's where it's like, it's not as immersive and site specific and yeah. event based. It's, Mm -hmm. it's yeah. more about like we go to the theater and we sit down yeah. and make an evaluation and like don't talk, talk. Yeah. don't laugh don't like it's like yourself. you're already doing it wrong yes. like it's like so um, waspy like yes. suck it all in yeah don't have any feelings it's good for you like eat your yes. vegetables kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah that's Ted Witzel <laughs> again he's kind of like oh, it's just like eating your vegetables you know yeah it's just like it's good for you yeah, but yeah. no one tells you why just take it in and feel nothing basically yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just have another question about budgeting. Who was yeah. the original two grants from? Canada Arts Canada Council? Arts Council, yeah. And then, so you're sitting at like 120? Yeah. 130? Yeah. And your budget's almost half a million dollars. Yeah. So we kind of had to like bring the budget down. 
Right. Um, and but then lots of grants, like, then, like, hit all the cycles, like Toronto Arts Council, yeah. Ontario Arts yeah. Council, like, weird amounts of research going into, like, can we maybe sort of apply for this sort of grant that maybe sort of fits into our project if we can if spin we a story it about it? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, and sometimes that meant inventing additional aspects of the project to be like, okay, we need to digitalize this totally. somehow because mm -hmm. people want to give money towards digital things. Then everyone's just like, be innovative. Yeah. And it's like becomes this blanket yeah. statement. So at the end of the day, how much money did you have? The total, like at the end of the project, when we were finally like, how did this cost, how much did it all cost? We came in at around like 389 yeah. for the three place. Which still yeah, isn't what? Three place, which, which is still, still like a shoe 120 strain. less than you wanted. Yeah. And also, did you pay yourself? No, not really. There we go. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That is crazy. So it's like I got paid when I was a director. Yeah. Um, and then when I... 72 hours before the philosopher's wife opened had to step in and replace the lead actor what happened um it just was a not a functioning situation right mm. and we tried to make it work and there were just like yeah it was it was not working it was just not working yeah. and um yeah we we just i suddenly realized like i think it was like we were heading about to head into tech week and i was just like if this play doesn't succeed it's like a bad domino effect right right and then it's like so, a permanent mark on your record yeah yeah i was like i kind of truly have one shot at this and this seems like the most insane choice to make but you know, it, it kind of was the dream of like, oh no, like I'm on stage and I'm naked. And it was like 72 hours before <laughs> our first preview. Like, I guess I'm going up yeah. there. So um, you had to fire someone. Yeah. So we had to, we had to replace, Let's we were like, okay, we needed another actor. <laughs> yeah. And I think they were rehearsing and I was out in the lobby at um, Aki studio and I was calling, I think I spoke to three or four actors yeah. Who I was just like, okay, this sounds intense, but what are you doing for the next two weeks? <laughs> and do you have 72 hours to put 70-ish pages of text in your Oof. head? And suddenly, somehow, like Leora Morris, who was directing, and Allison and I, we were in like constant communication about it. And some, I don't know who had the idea, but it was like... It wasn't your idea? I, I don't know if it was. Like, maybe it was. It yeah. just... The adrenaline coursing through my body through that time, yeah. like, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you blacked it out. You blacked it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can't recall. <laughs> I do not recall. Yeah, something happened. Your honor. Yeah. <laughs> I was on stage. <laughs> um, it was sort of like when the woman lifts, like, the car off her toddler's body. And it's yes, like, how did totally. you just do that? Um, yeah, and then somehow Leora at first was like, wait, I'm not, I can't picture this. And then... We just tried it. Like, mm -hmm. I just was like, I'm going on stage for our tech dress. And Lior was like, this is absolutely the right choice. Just because I knew, I knew the story, I knew the play, and I knew the part. Mm -hmm. And you, like, watching it from another actor who isn't g giving you what exactly what you pictured in your yeah. head. Yeah. But you know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, one, no other actor, despite how talented and, you know, so many amazing artists in this city... Like, I've lived with the story for, at that point, almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're coming in with, like, 
72 hours and it was it just would have been unfair to yes. totally wouldn't have done anybody yeah. justice and it probably would have even if it didn't succeed painted that actor in a bad light yeah yeah yes so i ended up writing a prologue um and going out on stage for this opening night and you know like a lot of press is there they've heard about the empire they know this this yeah. uh new chapter project is happening yeah and nothing gets an audience more excited than telling them right before the show they're about to watch that you just stepped into the role yes <laughs> and that you're playing like a 50 plus year old man. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Which ended up bringing all these amazing uh, layers of gender politics yeah, totally. and assumption. Which is already in written into it. Yeah, it's already yeah. in it. So it yeah. added this other layer also like the power dynamics of, you know, I was playing the aristocrat and I was the writer of the show and so there were these Ooh, yeah. cool layers that that emerged that we would have never um, anticipated right so you can almost can't imagine yeah but like also still going okay this show is now happening the next show starts rehearsing in 10 days right and i still don't have enough money for the third show <laughs> yes and, and also like, i i'm, I'm about to die this role. yeah <laughs> and but i can't think about that because i'm on stage <laughs> like sometimes i remember like doing a tech dress and i had my script on 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 stage and at one point like the the theater went so dark in between scenes like we really were working with darkness and these mm -hmm. little lanterns and just being like where do i go leora and she's like left left grab the chair grab the chair <laughs> and just sort of like i don't know it felt like i had a midwife like i was like i'm giving birth here like what there's also like nothing more terrifying than when you can't see a damn thing right. on stage no, I agree. You, you know it's that moment love it in a theater when it's like someone exits really confidently and then you hear like ah sorry can i get some glow yes oh, i'll never forget having that mask on like i did a piece with like a full mask yeah can't and like anything even with well you would see something in studio but then what you don't realize is that when you get on stage and the lights hit you oh you can't see shit you're no. blind from all directions you're blind and then the lights dim and you're like oh yeah, you're like, I've just been blinded, and now I'm still blinded, and now it's dark. Yeah, you have no idea what's going on. You're I know. It's just like, it feels almost like what it would feel like to just like be in a coffin. Like, you're just like, this is it, you know? Like, yeah. This yeah. Is it. yeah. I'm going to die wearing this mask. Yeah. <laughs> Dig me. In front of a room full of people <laughs> who are going to think it's part of the experience. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How much pressure... Because I, I have friends who and like, who have gotten grants even for like emerging artists or just like artists yeah. coming out and you get this money and then you apply for opportunity and you get a little bit more, you know. Yeah. And um, how, when you get all this money, you start to feel like pressure yeah. about what you're bringing your community. And even though oh, nobody yeah. puts that pressure on, like the grant, the granting people aren't really, it's not like they're breathing down your neck. They're not a Kafka-esque villain. No. They like, sound like the mafia to me, though. You know, it's just like... <laughs> This is something I learned a generator too, because I had sort of the same feeling with like Canada Revenue. Oh like, yeah, like they're just a bunch of like Matrix agents, like wearing the suits, feel that about and they're gonna barge in at any moment and be yes. like, "Mr. Anderson, you owe us money." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 you owe us. No. You can't claim that as an expense, and yeah. then you're dead, right? Like, show me your receipts from five years ago at an ESO. <laughs> 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 totally, and like. I used to feel the same way about casting directors. Oh, like, yeah. Like, kind of this, like, guilty before proven innocent mm. pressure. 
And it's, you're so right. Like that's me. Yeah. That's me making that up. But I think, is it though? Casting directors, I feel a little differently about it. I feel like they're not, casting directors, I feel like do kind of like get off on the idea. (laughs) I think some, you know, I think some have a little bit of a power trip in there for sure. Probably. Yeah. But I think, I feel like though, but the granting system is so ingrained in the culture of art and it really puts a signal, like a signifier. Yeah. And a signifier on like, we've grant, we've given this project money, so it is good. So like, yeah. be good or like what did we put our money into yeah and because it's like public money i yes. think that's like ingrained in community yeah and you're like yes that might be pressure that we're putting on ourselves but i think it's also like ingrained in the system maybe unknowingly i think yeah I mean, there is i think with new chapter two i mean there that it was such pol- it was so politicized mm-hmm. too because you're like well we're just tell like we're just celebrating canada's genocide of like it was just, I yeah, was like, yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah. I feel like, should I just give all this money away? Like, what? Totally. I'm not actually legally allowed to do. Like, I have to do right. the project now. And yeah. Um, and it is, I, I think it is fraught because people pay taxes and, mm. you know, you get the whole, like, why should we fund the artist when we could buy an MRI machine? And I'm like, what if we put MRI machines in theaters? Like, more people would come. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And we could really lighten up the heavy load on the healthcare system. Yes. Um, I felt so much pressure. Yeah. To, especially because I had I had pitched the Empire to a lot of theaters who at that time I hadn't done anything. I'd done like a, a festival show um, as a writer, and you know people wanted to believe in it, but they were like, "This is so big. This is impossible. I don't know how to sell this." Um, mm-hmm. And the thing about it was the thing that people liked was its size. Mm, totally. They liked that it was three plays. They it's liked ambitious. that it's ambitious yeah. and big. So my biggest fear was, what if we don't find enough money and I can only do two? Would you not think that you would get enough revenue maybe from the first two to start funding the third one? Well, that's what we ended up... Like, it was also kind of convenient to be able to, like, roll into the next one the next one and borrow against Mm -hmm. totally I had to just get really comfortable with levels of risk that I had (laughs) never been comfortable with and the third one did have a big platform too with with the festival right so you are guaranteed a certain amount of revenue in that sense yeah an audience and Illuminato was a presenter so they were bringing uh, a presentation fee and a a commissioning fee Mm -hmm. Um, and they were amazing I really uh, loved working with them Mm -hmm. and uh, we were really well supported by all of our venues we worked at Buddies we worked at Aki um, and those relationships were different. Sometimes it was fully a paradigm production. Yeah. We were just, you know, we were renting the space, yeah. but they were, you know, marketing with us and supporting us in, in every way that, that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, Luminato was bringing a commissioning fee into it. So they were, uh, yeah. you know, monetarily invested. Um, yeah. And I also just like, I've heard nothing but good things about Luminato. Like yeah. People like yeah. working for them. This is yeah. like, you're like the third or fourth person in like a month who's yeah. been work either currently working with them or working with them in the past, and it's yeah. like we've worked them with them. We really like them. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when when I first met with them, it was Josephine Ridge was mm-hmm. um, was heading Luminato, and now and she was working very closely with Naomi Campbell, yes. and now it's Naomi uh, who's the artistic director. Yeah, and um, I felt like 
suddenly I felt like Luminato was interested in Toronto local artists and accessible and wanting to have and, and wanting yes. to do the work of like who's out there what are you doing like totally rather than bring in people bringing in you know amazing which they still do which they still do yeah. which is great like I'm always happy and desperate to see work from other parts of the world um but I didn't feel like as an artist Luminato was like previously welcoming right or accessible like I just didn't I didn't know if it was for me right right um it felt again like the waspy type of theater maybe well and just like you know sometimes where you feel like there's just people are putting on art for rich people yes and you're just like, like, I'm like not most rich. art in the city. <laughs> like, <laughs> like National Ballet and the Opera. <laughs> I can't afford a ticket. Yeah. Top hats and monocles. To the lobby, you know? <laughs> like, we talked about this the other day, too. Yeah. But, like, it is comedy that you, like, just, like, anytime. It's so central. You go by that Four Seasons Center. Yeah. It's all glass. Yes. And you just, like, see a matinee happening. And you're like, yeah. Hunger Games style. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What is happening? <laughs> glass Castle. I'm not going to ever go there. Yeah. 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 Um, a side note tangent before we get into anything else. Is Buddy's closed? Did I see that they are closing or changing something? I, okay, you know, straight up, I've, I've in the pandemic gone into like a cozy lack of social media hole yeah. and really ended up taking a huge step back from how okay. active in the theater scene I was. So I don't know. Okay, maybe I'll look that up. I hope not. I thought I saw something the other day that there was like either like a big shift in how they're programming or mm -hmm. like leadership or that it's closing and I hope it's not the latter. Yeah, I hope it's not the latter. That would be shocking. And But there's like that big condo development going up right next door. So I wonder oh, if yeah, those developers are just like creeping over land. Man. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the interpreter. Um, the other thing, just to circle back to granting and the thing that was cool about working iterative, uh, iteratively, and that's not really a word. I'm definitely not saying it right. It's in okay. iterations. I make up words all the time. Episodically. In sections. Yeah. <laughs> um, was by the time I was starting to really think about what I wanted to artistically say as a director with Four Sisters, I wanted to move out of a heavily material designed environment we, the design team, which was like a kind of re revolving core of artists who worked on an individual show, but also contributed to the whole. Mm -hmm. The challenge was that they were, tr you know, from an environmental point of view, from a budget point of view, to recycle and reuse as many elements as possible. Mm -hmm. It also made sense in the world that like mm -hmm. these are the items that exist in this world and they, they age and transform over time. But at a certain point, as I was heading into Four Sisters, which is a piece that explores marginalized women, the labor of women, poverty of women, mm. um, I was like, I, I, am, I am not willing to crush my own health mm -hmm. to try and find another 20K mm -hmm. so that we can have a bunch of items and objects on stage that are representing poverty. Mm. Yeah. That makes counterintuitive, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know? yes. So we're going to put ourselves under the same conditions and go, what is the money we have? Uh -huh. And that's what we're going to make the show with. That is actually something when I saw it that I was really intrigued by that was like the minimalist of the set design. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And 
so we decided to move towards abstraction more into metaphor and to really go you know i was working with amanda acorn who's just like Amazing. i have such a yeah um, wonderful all-star crush she's yes. like she <laughs> her work. when you see her you feel like she's just like embodying human angel yeah or like, like yeah and a river at the same time yeah like, you're like what is this like yeah this like worldly mother like i yeah. it's so it's so not weird it's crazy how like just she's amazing well and she (laughs) she never worked on a a long form narrative theater piece before and so you know we kept I some I like to I go on my gut a lot with collaborators Mm -hmm. and so you know I just asked her if this was something she wanted to do way before I even knew it was going to happen and she was like yeah sure and we had no idea what we were going to do. And even when we started rehearsal, we would have a weekly meeting and be like, what should we do this week? I'm like, I think we should do this. And and it somehow just worked. Yeah. yeah. And even after we were like, I'm surprised we didn't have like a weird blowout or like a yeah. like a really tense, like freak out moment, like which is kind of common in rehearsal. Yeah. You know, I also just find her like style of movement in choreography to also be like the antithesis of like calm. You yeah. know, where she is just, like, like w- moves like water. And yeah. so, like, that is very fitting, I thought, for, like, the minimalistic style of the yeah. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it also was a way to bring out, like, that's the major design gesture is, yes. is the choreography. So why are we going to busy the stage with a bunch of stuff? And, and so in her well, area of research at that point, too, yeah. right? That's a question for every single musical theater show I've ever seen. Yeah. What? <laughs> a lot of stuff on stage. Why does there have to be so much stuff on stage? <laughs> she also just thought of, like, you know, I have a lot of... Um, I've moved more towards minimalism in my own life and just with the, you know, growing environmental crisis emergency we're in. I, 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 I had a harder and harder time justifying generating a bunch of garbage that ultimately couldn't be, re, you know, if mm-hmm. so much stuff on stage is like then eventually like thrown out or, you know, it's what just like, to it? yeah. Ooh, it's hey. also that you think you're doing better by recycling. Yeah. But the recycling program in Toronto is terrible. Most always, of it just ends up in a landfill. No, I'm always just like, you just throw it right into the ocean, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, see you later. Sure, it yeah. makes you feel better that you put it in a blue box, and then that blue box gets dumped into in the a same landfill place. or into the, same place. the sea. Anyway, that's that's a great downer <laughs> place to go. Also, uh, did you guys know the reef is smaller? <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys! By the day, <laughs> have some oxygen while you can. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the sun is shining. But yeah, make art. Make art. No, it's yeah, good. Make art about it. Um, yeah, there was. Did you? So you did find a little bit of pressure, weirdly, from. from you know what was interesting too is after the empire. I mean, I wanted to quit theater immediately. <gasps> really? Like you were just like, "This is it. I'm done." Yeah, I. I think, you know how when you're in rehearsal, you're like, go, 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 and then you close the show, and then you get sick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is deeply depressed. Yeah, or deeply depressed. <laughs> yeah, you fall into the abyss. Yeah. yeah. And I knew, I remember chatting with Christina, I was like, I'm just, I'm, so much of my life as a playwright is like, workshop, but no production. Workshop, but we're never going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the thrill of the workshop being getting to be creative, engaged, and then the next day just like the pit of sadness. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be the biggest pit ever. And she was like, yeah, it is. Wow. Are you like, what are you like, how, how are you going to take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. How did you take care of yourself? 
first I pretty much assumed I had to quit arts and get as far away from it as possible. Yes. Um, because, you know, it's not just like, was I able to pay myself a salary? I just wasn't able to deal with anything else. else. Like I, I, I lost friendships because I was just unavailable. Mm-hmm. And my yeah. health deteriorated. I barely saw my family. I ended up losing my apartment to a massive flood. Like it was really like yeah. everything that wasn't the empire became a smaller and smaller and smaller amount of attention. Mm-hmm. And bless the people in my life who just accepted that that was it and would like make me a dinner sometimes yeah. or like, how can I help? And I'd be like, don't be mad if I don't talk to you for eight months. Right. Yes. Like don't don't hate me yes 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 yes. (laughs) like um yeah so and just hope that the people that are around you understand like that that's what's happening in the moment yeah which a lot of them did and I think was important but I think it was a really big turning point for me in realizing that whatever ideas we have about success or once I do this thing Mm -hmm secretly in there I'm gonna feel a certain way mm. which is like happy yeah you know and success. like I'll make it and you make success equals happiness yeah that yeah. that horrible narrative yeah. that we yes. haven't haven't really interrogated and then you haven't interrogated it I think I hadn't fully until right. until that time because I'd been in such a hyper productive mode I was having lots of artistic discoveries I had you know in 2014 when I met Ted Witzel we we launched into you know, a whole seven part Lulu project that he was helming. We traveled to Berlin. We were Mm. doing shows in London. Like I was in a big period of discovering myself as an artist and a writer. And then the opportunity to actually do the empire, even though it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever done. And then it happened and like nobody died. (laughs) Like you're like, wait, we did the thing that I've been so scared about or, or looking, you know, all my energy has been driven right. towards for the last two and a half years. Uh, what do I do now? Right. How did you feel after? Like, I felt great for about two weeks. I felt like I was so proud of the artistic offering of Four Sisters. Like, you know, so, much, so many times as an artist, you're like, I guess this is okay, but it's not quite what I want. Like, it's not what I want to say. It's not. You can always fix things more. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And I felt with Four Sisters, I had a moment where I was like, this is everything about this expresses what I'm into right now and what I want to say. And that's such a rare moment where you can be 100% proud of like, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And we're doing it. And it's better than I could have dreamed. Um, And then about like two weeks after the Empire, I, I, I thought I had a serious health issue I just was like I think I think I have I don't know what's wrong but my body like, I guess all the adrenaline wore off yeah right. and right. I was crashing of course in every like physically emotionally dopamine serotonin uh-huh. all the things all I just I couldn't engage with theater I, I didn't feel like I wanted to write I was like I never want to do that again um it was it was pretty scary it took me a long time to figure out what was happening right um Mm-hmm. And, you know, since then, which was like summer of 2019, I've been. Well, COVID happened. Yeah, COVID. <laughs> COVID. There was that time. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been trying to f- renegotiate 
you know, I can't, I can't banish the part of me that's a writer. It's like, you know, for a while my friends were like, yeah, yeah and I know you want to quit writing and you, you think you're going to go be a farmer. That's definitely not what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. okay, like, sure, mm-hmm. quit, quit. And what was so <laughs> scary about it at the time is I was slated to premiere a double bill with Canadian stage, right? which was canceled three days into COVID, but I was finally, someone else was going to produce my work. Right. You know, it was like, the ball was like going down the hill. It was like rolling. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and they were like, needing me to engage with yeah. like these plays and I suddenly felt like I can't like stage fright mm. like the pressure that surprised me was I suddenly felt like there were people who were expecting something of oh, Susanna yeah. Fournier mm. it's Both, not just what you want anymore it's like what the public demands of oh, you oh god yeah and like you know, suddenly, like, because reviewers reviewed all through the empire, and some mm-hmm. of them loved it, and some of them hated it, or they liked this play, they didn't like that, you know, all that stuff. But it was the first time in my life where I had publicly people discussing mm-hmm. your work. What I just secretly did in my basement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just me and my imaginary friends. What the voices did in my head yeah, for years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, and I felt afraid to write anything. I also felt like at the time, the political culture of the art scene online, and it was just like, anything I put in there is like, I'm just going to put this delicate baby into a pit of lions. You know, like it it felt a very, um, I don't know, I suddenly was afraid to write anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think I could have written The Empire now. Mm. Like there's something really brave about that 26 year old version of me who was just like I like these stories yeah I don't care what people think yes um and I wasn't I wasn't expecting that of of feeling like I had less freedom interesting and not more because you want had people wanting to produce your work yeah like Mm. suddenly it was like oh god like are they gonna be like the Empire was great. Then her next place sucked. You know? <laughs> like, it's like the second album syndrome. Right. Yes. Right. Of like, or the, you know, the actors who like, well, I won the Oscar and then I didn't work for like five years. Basically any woman in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You hear that a lot actually from, from people who, who I've just mostly noticed about actors, but like that get a show where they book a job and yeah. they think they're going to be happy to make them happier yeah. people go up to them and say oh you must be so happy the show keeps going yeah and they're like more miserable than they've ever been more, yeah mm-hmm. it was really it was it was really strange anyway it kind of led me to just a bunch of deeper explorations of like how do how do I take care of myself like I was a I was I'm, I, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist right. because and so many people I know in the arts it's like, it's not different than any other aspect of like competitive capitalism. No. Like so, so much of where I've been able to get to is because I have ridiculously poor boundaries with my time and energy. Mm-hmm. Like even I felt like the recording this podcast this week was so appropriate because on Tuesday night I was doing a self tape from 930 to like 11 in my dining room. And then I had to edit it and then I had to answer emails and a grant was due the next day so I woke up then again at six in the morning and started writing a grant application and I was like I'm living how I used to live and mm-hmm. my roommates were just like I haven't seen you I was like it's just another marathon day like it's just you feel like you're in college you're just yeah <laughs> you're like <laughs> because we have to you know 
I teach actors, so I'm a teacher and a, and a coach. What studio? Are you just independent or are you at a studio? No, I'm at Armstrong Acting Studios. Armstrong, yeah. okay. Interesting. And they've been, like, amazing in that while I was producing The Empire, I was also working there because that was, like, allowing me to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but they, you know, everyone who works there is an artist and an actor, so they're very understanding of when you need time off. And, you know, so I'm able to be in the field that I love and make money doing it, which is such a gift. But it's like, okay, teacher, coach, also a playwright, writer, grants, producing, working on a project. Okay, an auditioning actor. Okay, what are the, what movie of the week am I learning sides for? Okay, yeah, I'll do that later. Um, it just feels like which phone booth do I have to jump in and put on which costume? Yeah, and then which hat are you putting on? Today? Yeah, and yeah. somewhere in there I should also eat lunch because that's going to help my. <laughs> And you should also yeah. sleep. Yeah. yeah. I, should, I yeah. should sleep. And I found that recently the most loving question I get is, have you eaten today? What have you eaten today? Yeah. Is like, just like the most like biggest sense of like care. Yeah. You know, it's because it's this person that's like, not how are you, which, because that's like a spiral. Yeah. Which <laughs> also kind of usually means yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 How, how are you really means like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, regulating eating and sleeping. So yeah, during the pandemic, Things that sustain you. Yeah, who knew? I'm seeing, I'm seeing a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, and their first protocol because I showed up with like, fix my body. I'm in my. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't it heal? Yeah, like, I sleep and then I wake up, but I'm not. And I'm fresh. still upset. Yeah, and I'm still sore. <laughs> and you know, we started with the basics, which is. You need to drink at least eight glasses of warm water, not cold. Yeah. And you need to eat three meals a day on a regular schedule. Yes. And I was like, what is this regular schedule? <laughs> what do you mean lunch? Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that the panic muffin yeah. I shove in my face at 3.30 before I... And they're like, no, no. And, and, and you need to go to bed at the same time. And I was like... These seem revolutionary. Yes. And I have to fight everything about the way the world works yeah. just to do those things. Yeah. Also, like, immediately in university, as, like, if you're in a program or in some sort of conservatory, conservatory they, like, ingrain in you that, like, that's never going to be your schedule. Is like, regularity yeah. is never your schedule. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it starts from, like, you're 18 or however old you are when you start or whatever. They're like, you work from 8 until midnight. And I, no breaks. I don't know if, if, if your experience was like this, but the amount of people who kind of tell you, like, and if you aren't willing to do this. Yes. Yes. It's like, so, you are so replaceable. The yeah. unhealthy <laughs> obsession that someone will work harder than yeah. you yeah. to kick you out of the, your position. Yeah. And so yeah. there's constantly, like, this idea in the back of your head that someone is ready to replace Someone's you. Someone's like, yeah, right about. And not to say that that also isn't, like, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. But... It's not a great way to go about the world. No, mm. I also think it's like kind of narcissistic to just imagine that everybody else is waiting for you to fail. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, like yeah, we think that a lot of about you. people spend time thinking about us. No. It's not true. Everyone's no. a main character. Yeah, everybody's thinking about themselves way more than they're thinking about other people. <laughs> but I mean, how many jobs? Like, how many lives do you? How many jobs or how many how many things? Because I feel like I have like five to seven people I need to be in a day. Yeah. I well, don't have that many anymore. I would That's say pre-pandemic I did. Yeah. Yes. Now I have like 
three? Three. That's good. I would say I have three. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have three. <laughs> I was just, like, thinking, I was, like, if I teach bar, if yeah. I go, ser- like, my serving job. Yeah. And if I'm here doing this. Okay. Yeah. It's three people. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. then we have, like, you know, your family and your friend and, like, well, all You are in front of the people that you love. Yeah. So I thinking about that. I just thought of things that I make money. Or, yeah. Do you, like, professionally? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Partners, friends. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Other Those, side the of the non-paying family. Roles, the <laughs> non-paying roles. The non-paying roles. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I just be SOC in this family dinner? Like, I just want to be silent on camera. <laughs> I got nothing to contribute. That's exactly yeah. what I would love to be. I have nothing to contribute, nor do I want to contribute yeah. anything. Yeah. I'm just going to be in the background. I'll yeah. be the one getting stuff off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Um, do I need to do that again? Yeah. yeah. Did that work for you guys? <laughs> great. One more time. <laughs> that'd be great yeah no you're right I mean even like on the phone with somebody like a customer service person I'm like a completely different person you know like yeah yes sometimes those uh, sometimes it's such a relief when you don't have to be anyone yeah like you're just someone who's like holding a door open or like you're just trying to go to the subway <laughs> no like you're just like all right, we're just people in a subway car. Like, I don't have to... Do you feel like you're like that when you're at your most tired? When I'm at my most you, tired? you can't try to be something that you're not in the moment. Ooh, that's a good question. I think... I think I notice more and more now the level of, like, performativity that goes into these mm-hmm. different roles, whether there are not... There are social roles mm-hmm. um, or are paying you know, obligations and jobs. But I think during the pandemic, I was definitely like everyone forced to spend a lot of time with myself Mm -hmm. and wasn't asked to do any of that stuff Mm -hmm. for a while. Like I kind of now weirdly romanticized that first March where no one could really expect anything of you. Yes. Because everyone was just deeply confused and not sure how anything from I'm scared. The time of my life. Scared. First, yeah. That, those first two weeks when no one knew what was going on. No. It was just, <laughs> it was terrifying if you look at it now. Yes. Also, I'm a little dark Slightly, like, I don't have to be anywhere. Yeah. No one expects anything of me. Everyone's really compassionate right now. <laughs> I have seven days right now where I don't have any obligation to do anything. Yeah, I, I started, I started giving myself those yeah. I don't do anything fun. I just stay home. But I tell everyone that they can't reach me. Mm-hmm. I turn off all my devices. I mean, I'm also in meditation practices, so I don't watch TV or anything. Mm-hmm. But I just don't do any output. Mm-hmm. And I don't really do any input either. Mm-hmm. But it's just like rest, eating. And it's like letting the mind kind of like shift into like... Turn off almost. Yeah, like downshift. What do you mean by input? If you know, no productive, like productive output, what do you mean by input? Like, yeah, like don't watch TV. I don't read. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Like you're just sort of like existing. Mm. Um, but I go for walks, you know, like I go outside and, and just sort of spend time. Sometimes I might be like, okay, I'm going to read, but just like I'm reading this book. So that's like my task, my activity. Yeah. I cook a lot of food during that time. Yeah. So I got really into slowness. Yeah. Mm. And... Uh, Maybe that's why you think it takes an hour to commute everywhere now. That's probably why. Yeah, I was like, I'm so early. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Speaking yeah. of COVID and that, that first month in meditation, it immediately made me think of, did you hear the story about Jared Leto? Who was like, no. he was in a meditation retreat 
I had no communication to the outside world for a month. So he didn't know COVID was happening? Yeah. So he came out of it and was like, I'd <laughs> <laughs> like be a really he weird. He hadn't spoken. He, he, hadn't, he was in like yeah. a non-speaking. Yeah, totally. Nothing. Silent retreat. And yeah. he came out of it, I guess, and was just like, <laughs> how long the world is over? <laughs> yes. Wow. You think of like all the, like, yeah, that'd be wild. Yeah. That'd be really wild. Yeah, like what a weird social experiment. Imagine if you came out though and like something like more, COVID is very drastic, so I'm not minimizing that. But like, you could have come out and there could have been a massive earthquake. Yeah, like anything. Or Los Angeles could have fallen into the sea and you're like, oh. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Wild times. Yeah, you'd almost be like, do I go back in? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think something similar happened because they were in the middle of filming Big Brother. Germany, right? Yeah. Germany they're in the, like, and they don't oh. have any connection to the outside world while they're in the house, right? And then they made the announcement that something was happening and nobody believed them. They're like, this, uh, is, this is a joke. They're like, we've contacted all your families. Everybody's safe and healthy. But oh like, just so you yeah. know. It's such a weird social experiment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just so you know, this is happening outside. Yeah. The world is shut down. Don't worry. You're already in a bubble. Everyone's going to be living like you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel like COVID kind of, based off what you were saying and feeling like you were drained and that was it? Did you yeah. feel like for you, COVID felt like almost like a blessing in disguise? <laughs> like, I, because it came at the perfect time of you like not wanting or feeling Yeah. I mean, it wasn't perfect when three days into rehearsal, my show got canceled. No. Truth. That was... Losing all your projects for like two years was, was really rough. Yeah. Well, yeah. And thank, like... I lost a show, but other than that show, I had no idea what I was doing with that year or my life. Mm-hmm. So the blessing felt like I had a big question mark over 2020. Sure. And then everyone did. Mm. So it felt like, oh, great. Everyone's in my existential. <laughs> Everybody's in the same crisis. Everyone, we all, we're, we're all going to go through this together. Um, but it did, it did turn out to be a blessing for me because it allowed me time to keep exploring what do I want from this part of my life how do I I think the crisis for me was that so much of my 20s had been I had somehow decided in my heart and spirit that art gave like meaning Mm. to like the world and my existence Mm -hmm. and suddenly I was like wow you can't put all of that pressure on art Mm-hmm. Just like you can't put it on a person or a romantic eggs relationship or basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all the eggs in the basket and great. Like it happened. Mm-hmm. It didn't launch you into some sort of permanent feeling of happiness or okayness. Right. Um, and here's what it costs you too. Yeah. Right. It costs you your physical health. It costs you some straight up mental health points. And mm-hmm. uh, do you want to do that again? And I was like, well, okay. My first response was, I'll quit art. And then my more mature response was... I love your response to that. (laughs) Yeah. No. For those listening, it was was a fun face. (laughs) And and if you ask, like, Leora and Ted, who are, like, my nearest and dearest artistic collaborators and friends, they're kind of, like, they kind of are excited by my, like, repeated attempts to quit art. Like, they're just like, it's okay. She's just having a moment. She's going to quit art for a while. Mm-hmm. She'll come back. Like, you know. Um, but, you know, sometimes it feels like the nature of the arts industry in Toronto is, like, the most abusive boyfriend you can have. Yes. 
And yeah. it's just like, you get just enough. Yeah. And you're like, maybe it'll be different this time. <laughs> I know I'm being gaslit by this, but like, yeah. I kind of feel like it's okay. <laughs> gaslit by Canada Council <laughs> for the past two years? <laughs> you know, like, what, what's happening? Don't worry, this is all the money you need. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You'll figure it out. Also, write a five-page paper about us and tell yeah. us how good it was. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like you. to nominate you for this award. And this isn't just, you know, I, yeah. I would just laugh because awards are like these, like, Hunger Games-esque experiences mm -hmm. as well. It's like, we also, think you're doing really great work. Like, all... This and is then it's just an application. Like, prove it. Like, now spend two weeks freaking out over letters and write an artist statement and show us your CV and also tell us why art matters at all. But we think you're doing a really good job, but could you just prove it a bit yeah. more? Yes. And you're just, like, if I fell into a pile of money, my dream would just to be to create an arts award that no one applies for. I just randomly give it out. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, I think you're doing great stuff. Like, yeah. You don't even have to spend this on art. Yeah. Like, in fact, don't. Yeah. Right? Just go like, for dinner. Go for dinner. Yeah. Go vacation. Like, here's pay your visa bill. Oh my yes. gosh. I have so many fantasies if I won like oh. the lottery. Like, if I won seventy million dollars, what I would yeah. do with it, and oh, not yeah. even like frivolous things. Like, what I would do with it, like arts wise. I also yeah. think that I would have like a granting body that like has almost no stipulations on it, and yeah. just like. Or like a space that I run for free and people just come and do their work. Just like yeah. make cool shit. Yeah. 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 Also, like, doesn't even need you. to have an outcome. Like nope. just come in. If you need yeah. research, research. It doesn't yeah. need to be an end point. Just like what um Yeah, not everything has to Luminato be seen series. through. Yes, I'm just trying to remember their name. Why can't I remember? Ansley. Ansley. Just like Ansley's doing with Luminato yeah. right now, mm. where they were talking about how there doesn't need to be an end product. Yeah. And they said that that was so lovely. It's like a radical destabilizing idea because yes. we're so product driven and well, i think too with some with some yeah 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 that produce more art yeah yeah which we which we we could make less yeah we could all make we less could make less it. spend more time doing it and it could be quote unquote better yeah, yeah. my well, biggest thing for a while was I, I i want artists to have access to money but i think we should actually one increase the grant like a project grant, the maximum you can get is 20K. If I can't buy a parking space in Toronto for 20K, like how can I hire? <laughs> Just put on a show in the parking artists. space. Like, what, yeah. what the fuck you to the man that would be? Just a, uh, yeah, 20 project grant, great. 20 yeah. grant, amazing. Do you know what's going to be? This 10 yeah. by 10 square. Yeah. <laughs> we got to start now because there's another. Sorry, group coming 10 by in. 5 square. <laughs> yeah, so it's like well, those numbers haven't gone up. No. even though inflation and cost of living and all this stuff yeah, and that's, that's so true not to just slag on the arts councils but let's give out <laughs> less grants yes. and give out the full amount or let's not fund <sighs> the same like the national ballet <laughs> they're okay they're doing all right exactly they're you know doing what good there was like a, we, i've talked about this a thousand times but there was like a few years ago where they didn't get their you sorry this just so you, to confirm do you i know who it was it wasn't national i probably was National Ballet at some point, but I think it was Stratford that we had heard that that was happening too. Oh, or, so I've um, just been slandering the ballet. Or, um, <laughs> I mean, listen, whatever, I don't Doesn't care. Doesn't matter. Some big Trauma. company but that yeah, is, yeah. is a company. It's not a not-for-profit. Yeah. It is not a small business. Yeah. They were very upset that they didn't get their 2% of their budget from the Canadian Arts Council, oh, and it was like a million dollars. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and we've talked about this a thousand times, you know how much farther a million dollars would go in a small arts company yeah. and independent creators yeah 
I know it's all very it's all very just the ins and outs. Like it's an it's it's just capitalism. It's just neoliberalism in. And I think sometimes I get frustrated when artists expect it to be different. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, like, oh, you sweet child. This was supposed to be a bastion of right. labor politics. And, oh, no. And it's like, no, no, this all exists inside of a bigger machine, and that machine works like this. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, maybe we'll see more money. Today's the federal budget announcement. So maybe there'll be... You think... In, sorry. Tuning into that. Whoa! You think <laughs> after COVID and all of these... Other, we're gonna The arts are going to get more money? Supposedly... The liberals are putting a lot more money in arts. We'll see, though. But I'm sure I'm sure there will be, like, I don't know, every time they're like, we're going to have this huge injection of cash as long as you're doing VR. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I don't do that. I'm not a VR artist. Oh, my God. That's so true. Like, and if I was, I would work for video game companies and make mad cash. And you wouldn't need a fucking grant. No. No, I could just, like... Totally. Like, what is the tech? If I understood technology, I would definitely work not in the so arts. So funny. It's so true. It's all VR right now, isn't it? Yeah. All art. It's just, like, it's I also just, just augment it. With a grain of salt, you know, but... That's what I've heard <sighs> down the pipe. I really struggle... So my research was in immersive and site-specific. Yeah. I really struggle when VR calls itself immersive. Self-immersive sounds like I should hear about that in sex ed. It also just like sounds like self-immersive. It's virtual reality. Like you can't just claim everything. Like it's yeah. yes. stop claiming words that aren't true. <laughs> you know, like it just drives oh, me. Who's crazy. calling who's calling VR immersive? Tons of people, tons of like arts things. Here's a phrase that I heard that made me die a little. Hmm. So I'm sharing it. Uh, the youth. Um, the youth have decided that the gig economy sounds disenfranchising. Okay. So they're calling it polywork. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I wasn't uh, the only one no, who just like, wanted to just bury myself in the dirt. Also, no, hilarious based it... on the conversation we had pre-recording. <laughs> <laughs> let's, no, let's call it polywork. the gig economy. Let's call it what it is yeah. so that, yes, it's disenfranchising. Franchising. Yeah. People should not have to live like this. Yeah. Let's like not pretend things are okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. The youth. The youth. I thought you were going to say something like lit or. <laughs> <laughs> no. Polywork. Well, I heard that and I was like, I should end the it. First time I should end it. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you heard it, were you like, I'm sorry. Kind of, what, like, were you confused about like the context like, it was? I like? heard it through my pal. Okay. Who is 21? No, who had heard it from a, a, a fresh young mind, one year old? Yeah. Um, and uh, thank God I wasn't there yeah. when it actually was said. And is Polywork specifically TikTok dances? I'm just thinking. <laughs> no, it's a part of Polywork. Right. It's a branch. Yeah, I get it. It's a branch. <laughs> I also just like sometimes there's like such a police on language yeah. that I just like can't get behind. Well, I think what's alarming... Like, don't call it that because it's disenfranchising. I was like, to you. Yeah. But to me, it, it stamps, like, a, a real, like, urgency that we need to fix this problem. Yeah. And, like, calls it what it is. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, like, gloss over things that aren't real the just speed. to make people feel better. <laughs> the speed with which language changes. Right. Especially right now, it's insane. Right now, I mean, is is just, like, How alarming. How spend five years... Sorry, not you specifically, general playwrights. How could someone spend like five years writing a play and then when they're ready to produce it, the language is different? I know. <laughs> That's why I invent, I, I try to write, never write anything topical because theater just takes so long. Yeah. Yeah. 
just like even in a rehearsal period, if you're trying to write when we were rehearsing Lulu and we were talking about, you know, just like sex and hookup culture and relationships yeah. and intimacy. Um, while we were rehearsing it, like all the news broke about the like Greg MacArthur, like the mm. killer, the killings in the village. And we yeah. were like, well, we have to kind of address this now. Like we can't. Totally. Everyone's going to come into the theater thinking about this so and you know given that it wasn't a non it was a non-narrative show it was mm -hmm. like okay quick we need to we need to incorporate this somehow but yeah I'd rather just make up stuff then you don't have to worry you don't have to worry <laughs> yeah it can just be metaphors <laughs> constant yeah. just also like metaphors. no one's working on like law and order types that where you just like throw in a topical yeah saying that it's going to be that episode's going to be out next week yeah. I mean I just think how stressful it is to be in the writing room at like SNL or John Stewart or yeah. any of the like oh, yeah. oh gosh I like yeah. I also wonder about that sometimes is like do we have to comment immediately on everything apparently that's what I mean though yeah. but like I think that's like what comes of like maybe bad takes or insensitive takes or have you thoughtful do you watch Seth Meyers do you watch Seth Meyers no <laughs> sometimes sometimes like clips he's like one of my out of yeah of, he's great. all of like he's my favorite but um, he's doing this new segment on his online, on the online platform. And it's like, um, it's jokes that his writers have written just to fill the page. <laughs> <laughs> when they like meeting an assignment yeah. and it's just the word, the jokes that didn't make it to like the monologue. So there'll be like 10 writers will submit a joke. Like, it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like Groundhog Day. So like yeah, yeah. 10 writers will submit a joke about Groundhog Day and like they pick one of 10, but like the other nine are fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's like the ultimate B-side. And he just like reads that. them on air. He's yeah. like, he's, something's like, some of them is just like, these ones don't, this doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't, <laughs> what was, what were you going for? <laughs> like, it truly, there's no connection. And the writer's like, I don't know, it's 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was all strung out on coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, I remember the early days of the internet. I also recently found out that I'm a geriatric millennial. <laughs> oh so, yeah, I'm old now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't, because I just wasn't quite, I'm not really a millennial, but I'm not, you know, I wasn't born in the late 70s. So right. <laughs> I was like, good, geriatric millennial. Like, I'm okay with that. Right. Sure. Um, but in the early days of the internet, first, no one wanted to be themselves. No. Like, everyone was like, here's my cool identities, you know, and yes. you, could, you could be anyone. And that mm -hmm. was kind of freeing. Um, and no one wanted to, like, have opinions. They just wanted to, like have either their fandom sites or like mm. their, their MySpace. Like it was like, mm -hmm. you know, it was just, but, and then it became like just dumb stuff you were doing. Like here's a picture of me, you know, just like whatever. But now the pressure to like have an opinion, have it immediately. Mm -hmm. And by God, it better be the right one. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to be like issuing an apology the next week. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and it better be good. Yeah. Or the trolls will be like, that's not an apology. Yeah. yeah. It's just become like, I think the internet before was this sort of like, oh, look how kind of, like, silly and kind of, like, absent-minded humans are. Right. And now it's, like, thought as competition is really yeah. interesting. It's like competition to see how woke you are. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's incredibly violent. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I remember the day I quit Facebook. Mm. It's a great yeah. day. It was great. And the thing is, immediately, I didn't miss it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was like it had never existed in my life, and that was uh, surprising. Yeah. Because I was like, what if I leave? Will I know? Like, what? 
what if I just, I just, I'm so used to my doom scroll. Like I don't participate anymore, but I just I need to scroll and have negative and complicated feelings about everything I'm seeing. That's my Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I got off of Twitter quickly. Yeah. I was just like, oh <sighs> no. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that those spaces are, they have a, they're a tool and they can be used in amazing ways mm -hmm. and effective and have done incredible things for change and yeah. bringing people together and they've done incredibly destructive things right like anything in the yeah. world really yes yeah. being created by man yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. anything a human has touched well man <laughs> <laughs> but no because those companies are both created by men and yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. um we have a question is being an artist fucking killing you definitely is this week it definitely felt like it's a good it's a good time and i think uh so much of the pan pandemic experience for me and forced me to look at the ways that, yes, um, that level of labor, lack of boundaries, lack of <laughs> feeding myself, yeah. lack of sleep. Um, yeah, like it's scary when you're sitting in your doctor's office and you're not sure why you can't sleep at night, but you fall asleep waiting for the bus. Mm -hmm. Like in a public space, <laughs> and yeah, I why, <laughs> why think symptoms are arising that you can't, you don't understand them, and everyone's saying you're fine, and right. and I knew like I'm not fine, and yet my blood work says I'm not dying, so you know that's the baseline of healthcare. Yeah, though, not dying, not dying <laughs> in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would well, say for yeah. know, Western medicine is is response to symptoms. Right. Yes. It's not about it's not about preventing illness. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. also, I always feel like if I don't see a woman doctor, then whatever I say is not going to connect. Yeah. Like the one time I had a male gynecologist, and I was like, "This shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed to do this. You don't even have one of these. No. <laughs> don't just pull on stuff." <laughs> The you moment I see Velcro shoes, I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I think uh, it definitely, I'm now renegotiating. It's really freeing, actually. To go back to that story about I used to define all my meaning in life through art, I think what was shocking was when I realized that it wasn't enough. Mm. It wasn't going to fix mm -hmm. whatever pain or longing or anger like it's it's not a solution mm -hmm. in the right. same way a person shouldn't be a solution or having a child shouldn't be a solution or you know really getting into sourdough shouldn't be it shouldn't it's not going to fix everything right um and starting to find other things in my life where there is meaning and rejuvenation and Stopping identifying with being an artist. Yeah. I think anything we start to decide we are mm -hmm. is a path to misery. <laughs> like, yeah. Because there's such a pressure, I think, in the West. Find something you love and then make money off of it. Mm. Right. Because then if you love your job, because it's you and it's, your meaningful, it's meaningful to you, then you've succeeded. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you're an artist, but you are still doing some other job, for money, then you're not yet an artist, right? Or you're not really an artist, or you're not a successful artist. Yeah. And it's just like setting ourselves up for this experience of failure, mm -hmm. because we've overly identified our personhood, mm -hmm. right? As I'm an actor. Well, then what am I when I'm not? Yeah. Working. 
nothing. I'm nothing. I don't exist. Right? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's dark. Mm-hmm. Um, Scary. It's also a rabbit hole that'll just yeah, take you down. That will just yeah. eat you. Yeah. Um, totally. And so, you know, for me, I think I had to step away from all of that scene, all of that pressure, all of those applications, all of that fight. And for a while, just give myself permission to make some good money have some stability, mm-hmm. take care of myself, reconnect with my relationships, my family, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like, okay, what do I, I can't keep doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are my other options? Totally. Mm-hmm. And give myself time to find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you, Susanna. You're welcome. They were so nice. If people are looking great. to find your work where can they find it you can go to www.susannafournier.com and learn about writing and acting that part of my life you can go to www.empiretrilogy.com and check out that project was so big it just needed its own site Hmm. Um, and if you're interested the empire just came out through playwrights canada press so you can order a copy awesome very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you have thoughts, questions, anything you want to say about today's episode, let us know. Leave us a review. Five stars, baby. Go check us out anywhere you stock your ex. And thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>